This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us this week, our penultimate week for On The Grid for 2018. We'll wrap it up next week when we uh, have the final round, of course, of supercars done and dusted as well as the final round of Formula One as well. Plenty to cover off today. We'll have a chat to Richard Crowley. He's over in Shanghai at the moment. Final round of the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia Series. We'll see how that all went and also get his thoughts on what might happen at Newcastle this weekend. We'll catch up with Braxy. Final round of MotoGP also run on the weekend as well. All that to come right here on The Grid. Joining us on the line live from Shanghai is Richard Crow. G'day, Crowley. How are you? Uh, the, the places you go for motor racing, Shebex. G'day. Tell us about Shanghai on the bucket list. Uh, an amazing place, I would imagine. Yeah, it's fantastic. I was up here for um, I'm up here for the final round of Porsche Carrera Cup Asia, which concluded on the weekend alongside the World Endurance Championship at the Shanghai International Circuit. It's a track that. Many people will know that the supercars race there only once, unfortunately, uh, but home of the Chinese Grand Prix and WEC here this weekend. Uh, and Carrera Cup concluded over two days on Friday and Saturday. So uh, now both Carrera Cup Australia and Asia, which have been closely linked for the last three years, have, have wrapped up. We had a, a fantastic finale up here, by the way, and Kiwi Chris Vanderdrift sealed his third title. But getting some work done over here, but having a look around this amazing city, it's um, as as an Australian, you come up here, and we've got 25 million people in Australia. There's 25 million people in this city, Shebex, wow. and it just feels vast. But I'll tell you a funny story before we preview yeah. this weekend. Uh, of all the things to occur in a city that big, last night wandering around the French concession area, and we bump into Kiwi racing driver Will Bamber, who finished fourth in the Curra Cup Championship, just mm. completely at random. No plans. Oh, look, there's a New Zealander. It's uh, it's a small racing world, Shebex, and it seems to get smaller and smaller every year. I thought you were going to tell me you ran into Mark Webber. No, no, no. he wasn't here this weekend. No, no, Damn. no. <laughs> hey, that, that, that sounds absolutely fantastic, and uh, great to see that the Query Cup Asia Series went off with a big bang. As you mentioned, it is a big weekend for Australian motor racing this weekend. Of course, the final round of the uh, Virgin Australia Supercars Series. Scotty McLaughlin with a 14-point lead over Shane Van Gisbergen, the only two guys that can win the championship. And you just get this feeling it's going to go down to the last lap. Oh, you do, don't you? And you, you're mad if you're, if you're going to Newcastle. You're mad if you leave before. Um, I know that based on the intensity of competition that we've seen so far this year with... The two teams going toe to toe, and it and it escalated and it escalated, and at Sandown Triple Eight smashed everyone, and then there was a a return of serve in a way at Bathurst for the Fords. And in terms of a championship point of view, that was probably the weekend that Wink Up was was definitely out of contention. Um, Gold Coast was interesting and controversial with the abandoned race due to the rain, and then of course the. Uh, I don't know what you call it. The, the dramas in New Zealand with the with the contact and mm. the parking of <laughs> of Scotty McLaughlin in and just everything and it's just builds and builds and builds to this amazing conclusion where we're set up for an even better showdown than we had last year, which is pretty phenomenal because last year was one of the greats of all time. So it, it speaks a lot for the competitive nature of the sport for how good these two teams are and in particular 
how good these two drivers, these amazing Kiwis that are, I think, once-in-a-generation style drivers that we're, we're very, very privileged to be able to watch go motor racing. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. One of them's going to win the championship. Both of them have won a lot of respect this year, I think, and um, have put on a, a hell of a show. Uh, no doubt about that, Quelsy. We'll hear very shortly uh, after we chat to you from uh, Paul Glover who uh, from Supercars who caught up with both Jamie Winkup and uh, Craig Lowndes about their thoughts on this weekend. It's mentioning those two names, you just feel that that's a distinct advantage, isn't it, for Van Gisbergen to the extent that he's going to have a couple of uh, wingmen helping him out. And while I'd yeah. love to think that Fabian Coulthard is going to be able to help Scotty out, we just haven't seen that from Fabian this year. No, no, we haven't. And, and that that's the biggest point of this whole weekend is that that um, Shane Van Gisbergen's two wingmen are both proven winners this season in cars that we know are going to be at the front of the field somewhere. Um, whereas we just we don't know what what car twelve we're going to get. Um, and and Fabian, for whatever reason, and, and we know that he's changed engineers. He lost Phil Keed. Um, he's had to adapt to a new engineer and build that relationship. And we've seen with Craig Lowndes in the last uh, twenty four months when he hooked up with John McGregor last year, having lost Ludo, was all at sea for a year. Mm. Um, and and building that new engineer relationship is a really challenging thing, and getting the most out of the car and driver. But it's really, really hurt Shell Power Racing, and they've been not a one-car team. That's doing Fabian a disservice, but three-car empire that have got three unbelievably good drivers, have got three cars that are going to be right at the front every weekend. So the, the team role is going to play an enormous part in this decider, and that's what swings it, in my opinion, it swings the favouritism towards Van Gisbergen. Even though he's second in the championship, the potential for that team to take points off Scott, even if Van Gisbergen's second in the race behind someone else, but if they're second, third and fourth and Scott's fifth, then it's a big swing Correct. the way of Shane Van Gisbergen. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that is a massive advantage for, for Shane and one that I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll use as much as he can as the whole team will. The other thing also I think that, when we talk about advantages, the advantage that Scott McLaughlin has of being in this situation last year. And we know, mm. and for all intents and purposes, we, we know how much he stuffed it up last year. And I think he'd even use the same words. But he's a year older. He's a lot more mature. He's had time to think about last year. And that's going to be a massive advantage for Scotty. Yeah, I, I think the experience from last season and... Um that's going to play a huge role. He'll be able to draw on all of that. And, and it's not just him. It's it's the whole team. Yeah. Um, they're, yeah. They're, a, they're a different racing team from last year. Last year was the breakout season. It was the, the big year for Penske in Australia where they were now all of a sudden a force. But now they've had 12 months to to build themselves even bigger than that and, and learn from everything they had last year. And, and they'll have a better understanding of how to deal with that kind of situation, not just from a driving point of view, but from how they manage the race and the strategy and their calls and um, and everything around it. And, and you can bet, can't you, that they're not going to want to speed or even theoretically speed on the entry to pit lane <laughs> after the debacle that caused last yeah, year. Correct. Um, so it, it just little stuff like that. I, I would have said on Friday this week that every time they come into pit lane, and they generally do it anyway, Scott McLaughlin will be practising to be at 40 kilometres an hour on that line yeah. and not a fraction over it in any single time he enters pit lane over the weekend because ultimately it was that that decided the championship last year. So it's the it's the little stuff like that 
that they they'll build on, and they now have in their memory bank from from twelve months ago and from the intervening twelve months that have have passed since then. So, yeah, they're, they're battle hardened for sure, uh, and and that fourteen points that he's got in conjunction with that may well be what gets him over the line. Crazy, how much of an arm wrestle is this going to be all weekend? To the extent that you're going to try and take any sort of ascendancies that you can. What I mean is, how important is it going to be for these guys to finish on top of the timesheets on Friday? How important is it going to be for these guys to grab a pole position? All that sort of stuff. Is that just going to give them that just that little bit of an edge that they may need? Yeah, you know, no more so than any other weekend, I don't think. But, but yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think the ace card that, that Scott has got is his qualifying oh, pace. Big great. And, and with all the... With the dramas that they had this year at Taylor Men and Sandown in particular, where they weren't very good, what they've rediscovered is their qualifying pace. And he's wrapped up the pole award for the year, of course, um, for the second year in a row. And his one lap speed is extraordinary. So when it comes down to, to shootouts and to qualifying on Saturday and Sunday, that's, that's their A game. Cause on a street circuit so tough and brutal, um, as, as the Newcastle one is that we saw last year and how, unbelievably good it is um you want to be on pole and and that's what scotty's good at so yeah they'll absolutely they want to maximize all of that and if you're fastest on friday then that that's proof you've got a really good qualifying car and hopefully you've got a car that can do the the 250 k each day to to back that up and go and win the championship but that that qualifying pace will be Vital, absolutely vital, because track position will dictate everything for this weekend. Scotty's won that many pole positions, and if I hadn't have seen the armour all man and Scotty in the same room together, I would have swore that he was in the suit. <laughs> no doubt yes, about yes, it. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know. Paul, I'm surprised Paul Blair, who's the, the boss of armour all locally, uh, surprised he re-signed. He may as well just done a personal endorsement <laughs> deal with Scott McLaughlin instead, because exactly. it's amounted to the same thing. It's like a personal sponsorship deal. Yeah. So true, so true. Hey, mate, just uh, quickly before we let you know, I know you've got heaps to do over there in Shanghai. Uh, give us your tip. Uh, I think McLaughlin wins it. I, I think I think everything that we've talked about, um, everything that we've talked about will, will work in their advantage this weekend. The qualifying pace, the experience, his experience and, and learnings from last season. I, I think it all just points towards him winning the championship. And, and I think if he qualifies on pole on Saturday... He goes and wins that race and builds the margin nicely. Um, it'll go down to the final round, but I'm I'm sitting in the camp of car number 17. All right. I tend to agree with you, but uh, that may change as the week rolls on. Hey, mate, thanks, uh, oh, excuse me, thanks very much for joining us today. Really do appreciate it. Look forward to catching you up at Newcastle, and we'll wrap up the season and the year next week on Monday. Looking forward to it, my friend. It's going to be an amazing weekend. What a what a great championship it's been, and can't wait for it all to wrap up this weekend. Richard Crow joining us here on the grid. All right, as we mentioned, let's have a listen to Craig Lowndes and Jamie Winkup from, uh, of course, Triple uh, Eight Racing. Uh, Craig Lowndes in his final round as a full-time driver here at Newcastle this weekend and Jamie Winkup. Both guys are going to be protagonists in this championship. I've, I've got no doubt about that, that they will do everything they can to help protect their mate Shane Van Gisberg. And Paul Glover from Supercars Media caught up with the two of them a couple of days ago. 
All right. Craig, getting ready to go to Newcastle, how's the emotions heading into this one? Yeah, I think the same as uh, no, no other race I've been to, um, to be honest. So all the, the races we've been to this year, I think since we've made the announcement at Townsville, um, every every race we go to, it's going to be my last, it's going to be, but this is now obviously the final one. So there'll be emotion. I think there's no doubt come Sunday um, when we're on the grid, knowing that that's, that is the last time that I'll be in a supercar for the full time. Um, yeah, that'll be the, the time I reckon it'll be more emotional. Is it business as usual? Are you going for the win? Are you there to help 97? What's your role given it's your final race? And I mean, you, you know, this is so emotional for everyone else. Uh, well, I think it, it, that's probably why the emotions probably won't kick in until Sunday. It's because it is going to be business as usual. Um, you know, both Jamie and I obviously got a role. You know, we, we obviously got to try and get in front of Scotty if we can and take some points away. But at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is what happened, have a repeat of last year. So um, for me, it's, it's, you know, I'd love to have a victory. Uh, there's no doubt about that. If we can help Shane along the way, that's even better. But, uh, of course, we've still got third up for a championship at the moment. So, uh, you know, business as usual, trying to put a bit of pressure on Jamie and see what happens. And the circuit itself, I mean, I know we've touched on it, you know, many times since, but now everyone's got an idea of it. What is it about that Newcastle circuit that, as a driver, I guess, is, you know, the most important thing to get right? Oh, I think there's no doubt that it's being a street-natured track, that it's, uh, you know, concrete walls everywhere. We saw the incidents that happened last year. Uh, this is the second year, so we now we finally go back with some information from last year. Cars will be faster. Um, no doubt that uh, drivers will be quicker. Um, competition will be stronger. There's, there's all that that's going to happen. But it's just obviously the run down out of turn two for me. I really enjoy that sort of along the beachfront there. It's really spectacular. It's, it's you know, it's picturesque, um, you know, but of course it's very challenging. So there's lots of elements of the circuit that you've got to try and get right. Well, the big one is, is make sure you get the power down out of corners because if you can't get that, you're not going to be fast around there. And yeah, I mean, I know we touched on it, but that last lap on Sunday where you come around, see the foreshore and basically everyone's got to be on their feet for you. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. Have you thought about that yet? Uh, not really, I think, because it's business as usual. Um, no doubt when I get into the car for the final time on Sunday, that's, uh, that will be a reality. And I think that's, uh, you know, for me, hopefully like a Bathurst, you can hear the crowd. I'm sure we will be able to. And uh, it's just at the end of the day, I just want to, want to finish the year off strong. As I said, there's still third and the championship's still up for grabs. If we finish fourth, fourth will be. But, uh, you know, to, to be in the top five at the end of my full-time um, career, I think, has been really exciting to be able to bounce back from last couple of years. And, uh, you know, really for me, it's, it's been a strong uh, season. Um, do I regret it? Um, I don't regret the results, but, uh, you know, I don't regret the decision. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to do some other things next year. The inaugural event at Newcastle was, was a cracker. Um, I'm expecting it to, to grow with momentum this year. Um, we had very happy hunting ground for us last year. It's un unbelievable, something I'll never forget. Uh, this year I go there um, with a slightly different plan. I'm, I'm not in championship contention, but I can certainly have an influence over uh, over the event and um, trying to get 97 to, to win his second championship. So uh, both Lounsey and I are going to work together to, um, to help, help 97 out. Nothing untoward, of course, but at the same time, we all want to finish the year on a high, so um, we'll prepare well, see what we can do. Not massively important, like it's going to be up to SVG to, to, uh, to get out in front and, and lead, lead from the front. And um, if Lounsey and I can do a good job and get in between uh, 97 and 17 and take some points away, then that's, uh, that, that, that's, our, that's our plan. But as I said, um, Shane's got to do a good job, but um, hopefully we can help him out as far as car setup goes and really, you know, work together as a team to, um, to, to try to get that, try to get the biggest trophy back at, uh, back at the workshop. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy place to drive around. Those two big downhill runs um, are, are real gnarly. Like the cars on the edge, bouncing over the, over the terrain and the, and the bumps. Um, great place, but keeps your, keeps your eyes wide open for the, 
for the two 250Ks. All right, it's also time to find out what the two guys in the championship contention have to say. Shane Van Gisbergen and Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy few weeks um, preparing for it, but um, just can't wait to get there. It's going to be all on. We're so close in the championship. Scotty's a little bit ahead, but anything can happen there. Yeah, that's more of inter-team discussion at the moment. I just think about myself. The best thing I can do is qualify up front and race up front, so I'm just focused on that, turning up with the best car we can with 97, and practice Friday hopefully goes good and we get through a good program and then race Saturday, Sunday. Nah, it'd just be awesome that a Kiwi's going to win it, so um, we're rubbing that one in as much as we can. We did the other week, but um, yeah, Scotty's been... Um, fierce competitor all year, um, a lot of respect there for him, he's done a great job but um, we're going to try and beat him and we have everything in place to do so, we just have to execute it. Yeah, it's really a qualifying track, it's almost impossible to pass there so you need to have a good qualifying car, start up front and come up with a good strategy for, for clean air. So last year we were quick, all our cars were up the front um, and we've got a new car and learnt so much since then so I'm pretty sure we'll be pretty uh, pretty quick. I hope so. We're that close in the championship, you know, and that's been our thing this year. Try and be consistent, make no mistakes. Um, but they're the same. They're always up front in that top five, and it's going to come down to the wire, I think, and we just got to perform both days at our best. It was amazing last year, the amount of people, and we don't take in the beach too much, but um, it's there, and all the sh shots on, on TV and the pitches look amazing. But um, the track to drive itself is is epic you got to be on the walls everywhere completely on the limit and then that last run down the hill over the bumps just cracking top gear is is pretty exciting yeah head into newcastle the championship lead obviously it's a massive um, achievement by everyone of the team to be able to get to a uh, position and have the orange numbers and there's a reason why we've got them on because we've been really good and 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 worked hard um, as a team so for me mentality wise we don't need to change a thing um, you know, I just got to stick to my processes and make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, we end up with a, a you know, have a decent shot at it. If we don't get it, we'll come back next year and have another crack. Yeah, preparation, I feel good. You know, I'm not trying to change anything that I've done differently. I think, um, you know, I feel as ready as I'm ever going to be, um, comfortable with where we are and, and I'm um, ready to put my best foot forward. Yeah, obviously 12 months ago didn't really go to our plan, but um, I feel like I'm a different driver since then. I'm, I'm a lot more calm and, and, and probably ready for this opportunity. I think I was um, a little bit under the pump and, and, and I was a little bit um, shy of the situation, didn't really know what to expect. So now heading in with a bit more experience at this point of the year is certainly big for me. So, um, yeah, look, our car is fast. We've got a win and two poles there. Obviously, Sunday didn't go to plan, but we're still very fast. So definitely gives me some excitement heading to into uh you know newcastle and you know i really enjoy the track so you know whenever you enjoy a track it always helps as well so hopefully we'll see how we go uh, my approach is no different i mean he races how I, he races and i race how i race and at the end of the day it's just one of those things where i'll do what i need to do to win this championship and, and i'll work hard and and if it takes to get some elbows out i will um but if not i'm happy to race shane fair and and um hard as we always do so there's no stress on that that part i think we proved um last year coming back through the field nearly you know getting back to a position that we could win the title um that we could pull out some good passes at a track that was really tough on for passing so um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be, you know, an awesome, awesome showdown for supercars. And 
um, for New Zealand to have a Kiwi 1-2 as well is um, very special. Well, there you have it. Some interesting words from those two guys. Just so looking forward to what's going to be an amazing weekend this weekend at Newcastle to wrap up the Virgin Australia Supercar Series. Let's talk two wheels. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to talk two wheels. We do that all the time in 2018 with Mark Brax. He joins us on the line now. G'day, Braxy. G'day, mate. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Now, we find you up in Cessnock. Tell us what you're doing up there. Cessnock? I was up there for the uh, fifth running of the Australian Posty Bike Grand Prix through the streets of Cessnock. <laughs> One two-kilometre uh, track that they are, uh, well... Come and view the basically the centre of town, the CBD of uh, Cessnock, and use uh, the the TAFE College as part of the track. And uh, yeah, they get it made. It's uh, what was there it was about eighty odd entries, um, fighting for thirty six spots on the final grid. And uh, Chad Reed, the multiple uh, AMA and Super uh, International Supercross champions, he, he teamed up with uh, his cousin Craig Anderson. Uh, we had uh, Crew Halliday, the current Australian Super Sport champion. Wayne Maxwell teamed up with him. Old Kevin Curtin was racing again. Um, you know, there's a heap of um, dirt guys coming. It's a, yeah, they all come from everywhere for to them, uh, once a year. So it was uh, another great run event. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so all on the CT110s, all limited to 6.3 horsepower. If you go over that, you're all disqualified, which a few of them were over the course of the weekend. Uh, so everybody's trying to be on as much of a level playing field as possible. It's a great weekend. Uh, a fantastic weekend. Wasn't so, though, in Valencia. Uh, well, it was oh. to an extent that it was exciting, but, gee whiz, it was dangerous, wasn't it? There was a fair bit of rain there over the weekend, and Divisioso wins a two-part Grand Prix, but, yeah. gee whiz, there's been a, a lot a lot of uh, smack talk coming from a lot of the riders about the delay in, in hosting that red flag for the first part. Yeah, um, well, I think Dobby was the one that actually got the flag pulled out because he started, he put his hand up coming down the straight and then looking at the officials going, come on, guys, because it was just uh, getting more and more torrential. And, uh, like, you'd look at the guys in behind following in the spray and you're thinking, how do these guys see? Yeah. And whether whether it was good to stop it and have that big break, you know, like these guys, something, you know, there's two sides of the argument in that, but let the race go because they're already in the zone and, you know, you've, you've got to race to the conditions it was let to start with and everything. Or there was that much standing water on the track that they just had to stop it for a while, and they did, and then tended to dry out, and everybody thought, oh, they'll get the, the last, the 14 lap rerun or the 14 lap restart underway, and it'll be all fine. But then two laps into it, it'll start flogging down rain again. So, um, turned into another bit of a crash fest with, uh, you know, and as such, taking up their first podium with Paul Espargo getting the, um, the, the new look bike up there onto the podium for the first time behind, uh, well, it was Alex Wins on the Suzuki and uh, Dobby on the Ducati. You could have picked up a few bob on the trifecta if you backed that one, wouldn't you? Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, fantastic for the KTMs, though, and, and Paul Spargro. They haven't been amazingly good this year, and uh, just great to see that all that perseverance and, and work that they've put into it for the whole of 2018 has finally paid off. Yeah, which is good. I said at the beginning of the year, they'd get at least one podium, but they finally, <laughs> and I thought they would have got a bit more. But, um, to wait to the you end. Know, as, yeah, well, see, they're ever improving, but so is everybody else. So, you know, it's not as if they're making leaps and bounds. They've got to the, the well, not the end of the technological, uh, you know, scope. They're trying as hard as they can with everybody else, but at the same time, everybody else is improving, and they've got to play catch-up for factories that have been in the game for many, many years. 
Um, you know, they've, they've been an innovative company over the years. They started fuel injection two-strokes uh, when the day when Casey Stone was racing with them and Warren Willing was working with them as well, as long as Harold Bartok and the things behind it. And they've just gone on from strength to strength. And I think next year the KDM will be a, not a championship contender, but they'll be a, a lot more consistent than they than they have been this year, I think, too, which which is good. But, hey, what an unbelievable season. And mm. I don't think after what we've had with Argentina, Silverstone, Valencia, just to name a few off the top of my head, I don't think anybody can complain about the weather at Phillip Island ever again. No, very true. That, that is very true. Now, Braxy, you, you know the mind of these guys better than anyone else. You, you've you've lived with them. You've been with them for a long, long time. These MotoGP riders. What would what would make Jorge Lorenzo come back for a final ride on the Ducati, knowing he's not going to be there next year? And I, I, just, I don't understand it. Yeah, well, it is a bit of a uh, a bit amusing idea. Like the, the why did you do it to put yourself at risk, particularly in those conditions? Yeah. But I think Lorenzo's the sort of straight up guy. He signed a contract. He wants, and plus to get the demons out of his head because he's you know he's he tried for a couple of times and the accident he had was at Aragon when that bike seized up on him on that free practice number one. Then he he went overseas and he kept on trying to get on the bike. And it's the mindset of these guys that they don't really know anything else except getting on a motorbike. And I think also with uh, Jorge's, um, what we just say, his um, uh, philosophy and just his way of thinking, he would say, look, I've got a duty to to Ducati to try and you know finish it off in the best way possible to leave on the best terms. And then also it gets him on the bike again for what's going to be happens um, Tuesday and Wednesday in Valencia when all well, the, the boys jump ship and you know um, Lorenzo ends up on the Honda for the, uh, for the uh, testing for his new couple of years with the, the HRC factory. But I think mainly it's just the fact that He's got a commitment and he just wants to fulfil it and doesn't want to seem like he's dogging out of it, that he'll give his best to the very end. Well, mate, it was a runaway season for Mark Marquez. Uh, your thoughts on 2018 MotoGP-wise? Oh, mate, he's just brilliant. Um, people say, oh, he's, you know, he's making the racing boring, but I, I, I'm enthralled looking at these guys, just the talent they do and what they can do on a motorbike and... Uh, Marquette, mate, he's just been in a class act. He's, he's rewriting the record books every time he jumps on a motorbike. And uh, the only thing that worries me about him, he's an innate talent. He's like a cat that falls off. To, he's always seems to be landing on his feet. But one, out of all those times you're going to jump, one time it's going to go wrong. And it started to go wrong on the weekend when he um, crashed and uh, dislocated his collarbone in qualifying. Mm. But um, popped it back in, got on the bike, and then put it on P5 on the grid. Um, and then he crashed out again on the, the race yesterday, and that was a nasty one, the, the back end. That's what how treacherous these things are when the back end let go. And most of the accidents yesterday, I saw it from the back end, I mean, and he'll have to have an operation in the off-season to put that plate and screw it and put it all back together again because uh, he actually dislocated the shoulder in the post-race celebrations when he won the championship in uh, Motegi. Yes, yeah, so that's, that shows you how much I've seen guys actually around here um, put lift a trailer up and then pop their shoulder and stuff. So that's one of those ones. Once you uh, wear the socket out, it's a bit hard to um, get it um, back to normal unless you have an operation. But Marquez, um, you know, he's going to eclipse every record that's ever been written. As I was talking to my guys, um, 
over the last couple of weeks, we're talking about Marquez and Rossi and the championship and everything, that, um, you know, Rossi came along, you saw, well, he's going to be the best ever. Marquez comes along, he's going to be the best ever. But then in a couple of years' time, there's going to be some other young kid that comes along and eclipses all of them. And I think we might have seen a glimpse of that in the Moto3 race last night with the other young Turkish rider. <laughs> Pardon me, on shoot. In his first race. As a wild card. Yeah, first race, 15 years, youngest guy ever to win a GP. Uh, he's a protege of uh, Kana Sofalu, the multi-world uh, supersport champion. Uh, he's come through the Asian Talent Cup. He's won that. The two twins, actually, there's two brothers in it. One's tall, one's short. This one's a tall one. Um, and they went on to the Red Bull Rookies Cup. He's just won that. And now comes out and getting KDM, giving, gifting a ride in the in the uh, in the race. And he just showed his talent by coming out and just blitzing the field and I think um, I've even put it on the Facebook page this morning that he will be the Turkey's first uh, Moto GP World Champion in a few years' time, I reckon. He's just got an innate talent, fast learner, and maybe you never know what he could do at 15 years old. But then on the other side of the coin, Scott Redding was the youngest mm. kid ever to win a, a, a race when he won at Donington uh, way back when, when he was a, a, same age, a bit older than 15 years and so many days. And look where Scott Reddings ended up. He um, almost won a Moto2 World Championship. But now he is uh, he stays in MotoGP and finished as he's heading back to, or he's heading to British Superbike. So, you know, it's, um, it just depends. But this on shoot, he could be another one that says Marquette. And I can put that name in the black book, mate, Shebex, because yeah. uh, you'll be reading a lot more about him next year when he's got the full-time gig in the Moto3 category. But Marquette, mate, I just admire. He's a good bloke. Um, you know, like you said, I've had the advantage to get to know these guys on a personal level and stuff. And um, he's a, he's one of these guys that actually a bit surprised at how good he is. He's like he pinches himself to say, "Am I? You know, is this really happening?" Because um, you know, you had Mick doing as a hero when he was a kid. That was the first post he put on his door was a on Mick. Um, and then he's up there and he's beaten and then Rossi got his photo on Marquez's wall and he ends up going out and blitzing everybody in front of him. But no, nah, he's, a, I think, uh, 2019. It's a matter of uh, who can step up to the plate with him. And I'm just salivating already, Shebex, about the, uh, Lorenzo and Marquez in the same same camp. And interestingly, um, Lorenzo's left Ducati. Casey Stone has cut ties with Ducati. Now, Alberto got Casey into the 125s, and the movie star 125s always is, well, even before that, when he got the CUB championships, when he was doing the uh, Spanish domestic championships. Now that Alberto's back in HRC after his couple of years sabbatical with the Asian talent, and his uh, dealings with Casey, is that is going to be a deja vu? Boom, deja vu moment when, um, as Katie did a few years ago, went from Ducati to Honda with uh, followed his mentor Olivia Supo. Is a similar thing going to occur, and um, Honda might sign up um, Casey again as a um, a test rider because him and Lorenzo mm. get on really well together. But we know he's moved uh, on from Ducati, as you said. So yeah, you never know. You never know, mate. That's some, some, well, who would have thought that Mark, um, Lorenzo would have been teaming up with Marquette in uh, 2019 after their history together and all the rest of it. But their teammates, how long that friendship lasts with all the lovey-dovey that they seem to be doing in recent months in Park Fernley remains to be seen. But um, 
Now it'll be interesting to see what happens there, and we all will get a bit of a an inkling for that on Tuesday and Wednesday when that first off season, the winter first of the winter testing takes place. Um, I know at the moment they're at the uh, art party, the end of year party. There's two of them in Valencia, about 100 metres apart. They don't actually start till midnight, um, so. Uh, there might be a few sore heads in the morning. They'll get over that. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, they'll be clearing the uh, clearing the head. As one uh, good mate of mine, Troy Corsa, said to me, I said, hey, you guys want to do that? I did all the divide. I'm sure I'm watching on um, Fox on Tuesday and flying around with their advisors over my first couple of laps. You know, they might be feeling a little bit dusty. Yeah, they might just be. Hey, Braxy, it's been great to have you a part of our program again this year. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And uh, let's hope that we can do it all again in 2019. I certainly hope so. Thanks, you two. Have a good one. And uh, hope to see you around the chat one of these days. Good on you, mate. Bart Brax joining us here on The Grid. That's another episode of On The Grid done and dusted for another week. Our final episode next week will wrap up the Virgin Australia Supercar Series and also the Formula One season as well. Thanks for joining us again this week. We'll talk to you then next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.